Hello, it is Monday, October 12th, 2020. Overreaction Monday is coming to you in beautiful fashion. There's a lot of things to talk about in the NFL world. And we have Dan Orlovsky, Field Yates, and the Notre Dame rookie, fresh out of Canada. They call him Mapletron. Chase Claypool, after scoring four touchdowns yesterday for the Pittsburgh Steelers, he'll be joining us today for conversation. Today, our show is brought to you by the good people at Thursday Boot Company, a bootstrap startup that makes the best handcrafted boots and sells them direct to consumer at some of the lowest markups in the history of the footwear industry. Thursday Boots tagline is highest quality, honest prices because they use some of the best materials like full grain leather. Ever heard of it? Supple glove leather lining. Wow. And gold standard Goodyear welt construction, just like the legacy brands that charge 400 plus for similar styles but thursday boot company sells their boots at prices starting at just 149 dollars with free shipping and free return wow one of the reasons thursday boots has over 20,000 five-star reviews yes 20,000 five-star oh just choke there over it because i can't believe it Twenty thousand five-star reviews from real customers is that they're just so damn comfortable they're made with a cork bed midsole that forms to your feet and gets better with each wear wow gotta love that cork bed midsole that forms to your feet and gets better with each wear when you first put them on you're like damn these are very comfortable and look good just wait it's only going to get better with thursday boots handcrafted with the highest quality materials to be comfortable versatile and durable thursday boots are perfect for people who understand quality and don't want to pay a high retail markup for a great looking pair of boots that are built to last with prices starting at just 149 dollars in free shipping and returns thursday boots are the best buy this season and with their clean timeless design and durability thursday boots will keep you standing confident for years to come head on over to thursdayboots.com and try a pair today with free shipping and free returns if for any reason you don't love the size or the fit thursday boots has you covered so go to thursdayboots.com that's t-h-u-r-s-d-a-y boots.com and get a pair of high quality boots you'll be wearing for years oh and use their service after checkout to let them know that we sent you there sounds good shout out to thursday boot shout out to you for listening to the show if you like this show please be a friend tell a friend if you don't like the show just act like it never happened let's get to it yesterday was a massive day in the nfl we lost a quarterback a franchise quarterback a man who didn't get a long-term deal to secure his family's long-term wealth he got franchise tagged instead had one of the most gruesome injuries we've seen in some time on the field that man i'm referring to is dak prescott dak prescott dallas cowboys franchise tagged quarterback Broke his ankle, dislocated his ankle in one of the most gruesome injuries we've seen in a long time, then got carted off the field in one of the most touching scenes I have ever seen on a football field. The entire Giants team was waving at him and saluting him. His his entire Cowboys team came over and said, what's up? And as he was rolling off the field, his fist up triumph as the entire stadium that was filled, I think, with 25,000 people basically chanted his name rolling off the field. And he couldn't help but wonder, is that the last time we will see Dak Prescott 
mascot in a Dallas Cowboys jersey in Jerry World. And is that how this whole thing, this saga ends between Dak and the Dallas Cowboys? That's TBD. But what we do know is that he's already out of the hospital after having emergency surgery last night on his ankle. There was a photo posted by his brother right before he went into surgery where he was smiling in high spirits, feeling good going into the surgery. There were some people on the television that questioned why he was smiling. Those people just need to shut the fuck up (laughs) and relax, okay? The guy's about to go into a career-changing, a life-altering surgery. They said it went successfully, it went smoothly. He's out of the hospital, and everybody's saying it's four to six months recovery time. Connor Barwin former basketball player for the University of Cincinnati and football player for the University of Cincinnati and of the Houston Texans and the Eagles and I think somewhere else. He tweeted, hey, had the same exact injury happen to his foot where his ankle was going in an opposite direction of his leg. I'm not sure if he had the bone go through his skin, but he said you'll be back better than ever. Connor Barwin was always a very explosive edge rusher. If he says you'll be back better than ever, we have to assume that Dak will be back better than ever. And that leads to the question of this. Well, the Dallas Cowboys, who now have the red rifle at quarterback at Andy Dalton, will they be the team that steps up and pays Dak Prescott long-term after this franchise tag expires at the end of the year? Or will they franchise tag him again to the tune of, I think, like $37 million guaranteed next year? Or will they let him test free agency? What team, hopefully... Uh, COVID-19 will be done doing what it does uh, by the time next offseason comes so people can work them out. It's like, what is the future of Dak Prescott right now? Nobody knows. All we all know is that for the next six months, he's going to have an incredibly difficult rehab that is no fun at all. You always hear about the numbers like, oh, he'll be back in six months. He'll be better than ever. But the process of doing that is a nightmare. I think we got a chance to see a little bit of an inside scoop on how difficult rehab is for an injury that was maybe... Maybe a little bit harsher, I guess, with Alex Smith. After he had like 17 surgeries, he almost died. His shin is now a hamstring, and he got back. But the inside look at what rehab is, reteaching your body how to walk every single day, going through pain, knowing that your body, if you don't put in the work, will never be what it once was. And just yesterday, we saw Alex Smith get back on an NFL field. It made no sense to me when he walked out there. Absolutely no sense at all. He comes jogging on the field because Kyle Allen takes a head-to-head shot from Jalen Ramsey while trying to pick up a first down. He goes out there. We know that Dwayne Haskins is potentially now on the trading block. They want to get rid of him out of the Washington football team. He is not in the future plans for Ron Rivera and that squad over there. Nobody knows why. There's stories lingering that behind the scenes, he's not as great of a leader as they would hope. Maybe he just doesn't fit the playing style that Ron Rivera and the new Washington football team have going forward. Whatever the case, Dwayne Haskins was not the backup quarterback. He was third string so Alex Smith comes on the field rainy day against the Los Angeles Rams taking on Aaron Donald one of the most fierce defensive linemen in the history of the game and within his first two plays of being on the field after his family gives a standing ovation and claps for him Aaron Donald the man who we've seen shirtless flexing the man we've seen pick up other humans and dump them on their head gives him a piggyback ride And Alex Smith on this leg that he can't run normally, but is obviously rehabbed to 
the nines here, carries him for three steps, and then he goes down. And I would assume that much like his family, the entire world that was watching at the moment had a moment where their heart dropped, their stomach got a little bit full, they might have even puked, they were very worried. Every single step Alex Smith took on that field was worrisome for everybody watching. He got up after that, he moved around the pocket, he ran a couple times, he connected on some passes, they lost ultimately, but now they have the New York Giants. Is Alex Smith back being a starting quarterback? And what can we compare from Alex Smith to Dak Prescott is that although it looks terrible right now for Dak and business-wise it hasn't been figured out for him long term it is a story of redemption that can happen Alex Smith proved that with an incredibly gruesome injury now it took him some time will Dak be able to do the same we all hope so we're all pulling hard for him let's hope the doctors did their jobs and made it all good there's a lot more to overreact to from yesterday's game Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are they dead have they been figured out that's what a lot of people are going to say today I'm not 100% sure that's true but it did feel as if the Raiders out Chiefs the Chiefs mm-hmm. and that is with Henry Ruggs running the deep ball and Patrick Mahomes they scored points but they just couldn't stop the Raiders is this going to be problematic for them going forward the Chargers in their division played them tough now the Raiders in their division have beat them are the Chiefs on the ropes as this dynasty is just starting to begin as this dynasty is just starting to really gather some steam are they in trouble in their own division let's remember the last dynasty a dynasty that's still going now their game has been moved like 15 times the Patriots they had trouble in their division as well on plenty of occasion because the teams in their division are directly drafting just to beat them think about the, what the Dolphins have done to the Patriots for a long time oh, yeah. that is a game at Boston Connor if I'm not mistaken every single year that the Patriots had to play in Miami was something that when the whole world was like Miami stinks Patriots fans were like nope they always give us trouble right every single year no matter what in Miami I think Brady's lost there four or five times and the Buffalo Bills also in their division have given them trouble and that's because in the division there you are drafting strictly to beat the top dog this goes all the way back to the beginning of football basically you're trying to be the top dog in your division so you can get into the playoffs because once you get into dance hey anything is possible Mm -hmm. think about when down the houston texans who got a massive win under romeo cornell which we all kind of knew was going to happen that was the lock of the century if you're a player and you get your coach gm lead counsel and play caller fucking fired (laughs) you have to put your best foot forward or the whole world is going to dump on you we all knew the texans were going to be able to do that but back in the day charlie casserly was the general manager of the texans he drafted mario williams over reggie bush strictly because he wanted to sack peyton manning he gets fired for that decision but that was a perfect tale of that's what every division does so although the chiefs lost to the raiders yesterday and everybody wants to declare maybe the chiefs are beatable and all that shit know that the division is always going to be tough because they only get their eye on one thing and that's beating patrick mahomes there's a lot of other stuff that happened is philip rivers done being a quarterback is is philip rivers absolutely dead maybe is drew (laughs) Brees dead tonight maybe i mean that's what overreaction mondays are for we'll be joined by dan orlovsky here in a few moments we'll be joined by field yates and in the third hour having four tutters yesterday he goes by the name of maple tron chase claypool of the pittsburgh steelers will be joining us today cannot wait to chat with him about that ass beating they give to the eagles that could have been more by the way Mm -hmm. they kind of let him in at the end they have to figure that out but that was also an easy call that steelers are going to win especially after a guarantee or a forced bye week a week before that. We'll talk about all that and to you. one 888 
Mad Dog Six. <laughs> we are here on Channel 82, Sirius XM, Mad Dog Sports Radio. It's great to be here. Adam Shine just had a great show. Chris Mad Dog Russo on the other side of this will be fantastic. And as always, this is home to JT the Brick. Well, one of his homes. He also has shows elsewhere. JT Ooh. the Brick. Uh, can't thank you all enough for joining us. At Tone Diggs is here. you got to feel good about the Pittsburgh Steelers and Chase Claypool and Ben Roethlisberger getting along very, very well. Yeah, them being up, what was it, 31-14 or whatever, and them letting back the Eagles back in the game is just something that they do every single game, which is frustrating as a fan, but ended up covering in the end. Chase Claypool could have went to a lot of other places that need wide receivers and stuff like that. But, hey, Steelers are the best wide receiver drafting football team Probably of all time. Haven't had a first rounder at wide receiver mm-hmm. in a long, long time. We took Antonio Brown in like the ninth round or whatever. He becomes the guy and then once out of town. Uh, Heinz Ward, same situation. Antoine Randwell, same situation. He was a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Plexico Burst, Michigan. He was a first rounder, I believe. Him That's, and San Antonio, I believe, were first rounders way back in the day, though. But now is the time where, hey, we just kind of, it, it, it seems like a carousel of wide receivers out there in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and like because like Deontay Johnson was the young stud last year who had a great rookie season, and he was hurt yesterday. He was out, but now it's kind of like it's nice because Juju moves back in the slot. You could have Claypool and Johnson on the outside. Washington comes in and does his thing. It's a nice little, uh, nice little core of wide receivers that Ben's got over. Yeah, the Steelers look damn good. They're in the AFC. Are they up there in the hunt of who's the favorite in the AFC? Because the Chiefs took a stumble. Nobody could have mm-hmm. expected oh, it yeah. this early, but I guess the Chiefs still got a lot to figure out. Every team does. But when you look at the Chiefs, the Ravens, you look at the Patriots are still going to be able to play football, and the Buffalo Bills still playing Ooh, great mm-hmm. football, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, the AFC, are going to be problematic. What's going to happen in the NFC? Nobody mm-hmm. knows. At Boston Connor, uh, the Patriots game was moved to today or tomorrow, then next week, yep. then this, then that. The Patriots and Cam Newton, Stephon Gilmore's positive COVID test seem to be a little bit of a problem for the NFL, but they're figuring it all out. Yeah, they did the right thing. I mean, you got to push the game back. If Gilmore and Cam Newton can't go i mean what's the point of even playing you know? so i think that everything that they did was the right thing to do well bill said uh well tom curran friend of the show who's the nbc sports network uh representative for the patriots in boston he actually said that this will not be a unilateral decision by the nfl anymore if they just think we're going to be able to play without practicing and all that stuff i guess the patriots are at the point where they're like listen you're not just gonna fucking force us to go out there okay? uh-huh. we haven't practiced it. we don't have a quarterback we don't have our best defense and you're just by the way we had to travel day of the game last time yep. Which, by the way, was their fault, not Chiefs' fault. So mm-hmm. the NFL is probably telling them that's on you. But it feels like a lot of the teams are at the point now where they're like, we haven't been able to practice for a week and a half, and now you're going to put us out on the field. Do you know how dangerous that is? I would assume that's going to be the angle they take. But there's a lot of games moving. But seeing the Chiefs go down, if you're a Patriots fan, you got to be like, hey, everybody's got a shot at this point. Yeah, well, us and the Chargers, I mean, we showed the Raiders how to beat them, and luckily, you know, they did. <laughs> uh, but also, you got to move the games for the Patriots because you need the whole team out there. You need Cam. They don't care about competitive fairness the nfl said and i would think that you said the raiders and you guys showed or the chargers showed the raiders how to do it against the chiefs or whatever i think the raiders patriots a very different game if that rugs kid is playing because (laughs) the way that raiders team played yesterday they were taking away the checkdowns a la what the patriots are doing Mm -hmm. and they just opened that thing up and Derek carr was connecting on the long ball he looked like a guy like a dude yesterday he was playing and it's crazy what happens whenever you get a weapon josh allen got digs and that happened you know what i mean at ty schmidt uh green bay packers still undefeated had Mm -hmm. nothing go wrong this weekend that has to be a happy feeling no yeah it's great i mean a little earlier than i would have liked the bye week but as we've seen i don't think that really means shit anyway uh but you know well i mean 
they're all getting moved around. Yeah. That's what I mean. You know, I mean, so it doesn't really matter. But yeah, yeah, they're doing what they have to do. No one's getting sick. No one's breaking protocols. Rogers looks great still. It was a nice, relaxing Sunday. It was a nice, relaxing Sunday when you don't have to worry about your team losing the Colts. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Oh man. Happy Velazito's here with his poll. We'll get to that on the other side of Dan Orlovsky joining us right now from a car. He is being ushered around in a Rolls Royce because oh, wow. he is ESPN oh, wow. loyalty, ladies and gentlemen, Dan Orlovsky. Yeah. What's up, buddy? Look at you living your best life, just getting ushered around from one TV set to another, wearing glasses that are massive. What's, how's your Monday going, brother? Uh, it's awesome. The weather stinks, but uh, other than that, it's great, bud. Uh, let's, talk, let's talk about football yesterday. And I can't thank you enough for joining us. I know you're a very busy man on Monday. He literally goes, get up, first take, over to NFL Live for his show. He does everything. Wow. So we appreciate you, Orlovsky, Super TV guy. Let's talk about the Colts team that I started to talk about there before we transition into this conversation. Phillip Rivers is beloved by the teams that he played for fans. When he came to the Indianapolis Colts from the Chargers, Chargers fans were like, you're lucky. You're getting a great one. We can never protect him properly. We're so thankful he's still playing. Good luck out there. We love this guy. In the first game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, he went out there. He threw an interception. He jogged right back out on the field and tried to do it again and again and again and again. Just classic gunslinger. And in his press conference, whenever he left the Chargers, he was like, I might throw some picks, but I'll get out there and I'm still going. Yesterday against the Browns, he was not scared to throw that ball into a defensive meeting room one bit. And that is, it's either alarming or awesome. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's alarming for the Colts. I mean, it's holding them back. They're, oh, they should be a top four team in the conference, top three team in the conference. And the way they're built, you know, it, Pat, it's, it's play great defense. I think they're you know, one of the best defenses in football. I think they showed that yesterday. Run the football, which yes, they're doing is. better than they did to start this year. And then just value the ball. Like at the quarterback, Philip, you don't need to be a gunslinger. You don't need to have the mentality of, I'm just going to go up there and throw it around a lot. Like, it needs to be the opposite. Value the football. Don't give it to the other team. Play a boring style of ball right now because that's the only way that they're going to lose games is, you know, if the defense is put on the field too much or whatnot. Especially, like, he's got two games this year when he's thrown interceptions twice on his side of the field. And so, um, you know, I think that just taking a treetop view, you got to ask yourself if you're Frank Reich, like, Listen, Jacoby Brissett threw, I think, eight games last year at three interceptions. And I know that sounds simplified, but if Jacoby's going to value the football, he should be the one playing, not Phillip right now. So you said he threw a couple picks in his own end. That doesn't even count for the safety that he took yesterday, which is a pick. It's even worse than a pick, by the way. It's giving them points and giving them the ball back. I mean, it's just those decisions. Yeah, I think we need to go and qualify safeties as that bad to place. You know, sometimes they just happen, Pat. Um (laughs) But, I've never got one. I, I've never. I, I feel like I took a lot of snaps in the NFL. I never got one because of, you know, and, and sometimes you can get lost out there, I guess, a little bit, especially whenever there's a rancher coming after you, you know, hog tie guy, a cow tie guy coming after you. Yeah, if you're not comfortable with those settings, you, you never know. You just kind of react, and sometimes it doesn't work out. All right, anyway, safety, another pick. By the way, if safety was just described as another interception, I think that's better for you and for Philip Rivers, by the way. Just. Yeah, that's a valid point. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, just, I, uh, I think 
Phillips holding, hurting, hurting that team right now. Anyone who watches the, the game's got to be willing to say that. And you weren't the only one that told me that, by the way. I got a lot of text messages yesterday as this game was unfolding from former teammates of mine that were like, what the hell's going on? I thought this guy was supposed to be a guy. They paid him $25 million, and they allegedly selected him over Tom Brady. Now, was Tom Brady trying to do a business move by saying the Colts are interested and going ending up at Tampa anyways? They definitely took him over Nick Foles, though, right? Could have gotten mm-hmm. Nick Foles. They definitely took him over an opportunity to get Cam Newton. Everybody knew Cam Newton was on him. So this is a big-time decision that Chris Ballard made to invest in Phillip Rivers. We've seen some great. We've seen some terrible. It's uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know. Play. Like, have you seen that much great? Like, I haven't seen great. You know, this year. You know, I know he's mic'd up. He is great. He's <laughs> mic'd up. The, the thing he's in the corner on you. Enough. You know what I mean? Fair enough. There's that type of thing. Um, are the Chiefs dead? Because of what the Raiders did and what the Chargers have done, is this dynasty over before it even starts? <laughs> have people figured out the Kansas City Chiefs, Dan Orlovsky? No, 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 no. Slow down. Pump the brakes. You know, I, I think, like, they haven't looked great this year outside of the Baltimore game, which is fair. You know, I think their offensive line got beat up a little bit, and Assembly going out hurt them. I just think, like, this was more about the Raiders for me than anything yesterday, Pat. Like, I think Derek Carr sat there last week and said, you know, I'm sick and tired of losing. I think the third down of the first third down of the game, they take a deep shot downfield. And it was like a sign like we're just gonna throw the ball downfield a bunch today. And so, you know, the Chiefs flirted with, you know, kind of playing aggressively on defense a bunch early on in this season. And uh they didn't get burned by it and they got burnt by it yesterday. So, you know, it was a little bit of a eye opener that the Raiders were just so aggressive downfield. But like I think this man I think the Chiefs, you could say, have become drunk with um, watching Patrick Holmes do the inexplainable. You know, Patrick makes these just ridiculous throws, and the Chiefs are like, ah, Patrick will bail us out. You know, he'll make another crazy throw or something, and I think they've kind of become infatuated with that. And they're really bad right now offensively on first down because I don't think they're disciplined right now. And, um, you know, yesterday they averaged two yards on first down. Their third downs were third and ten. That was the average yesterday. Eventually, that's going to get caught up. You're going to get caught up in that. And so they'll be fine. They're still the best team in football. Sometimes losses like this make you reshape your mind, as you know. So I don't have huge concerns about the Chiefs. I, I've made some drunk investments in my life, never to $503 million worth like the Chiefs have. <laughs> but it does feel like they're going to go as Patrick Mahomes goes. Hopefully, they'll be able to figure that out. Last night, Mr. Unlimited. Had a tough first half. I flip over to the NBA championship where Braun Braun's winning his fourth. I come back. It's 14-13. Here we go. Now with under two minutes left, they go for it. The Minnesota Vikings go for it on a fourth and an inch, basically, to seal the game, to win the game. Here we go. Instead of kicking the field goal to put themselves up eight, they ultimately get a stop. Russell Wilson does what Russell Wilson does, comes back down the field and gets the win. What did you see out of Mr. Unlimited last night? Because there was a lot of conversation in the first half amongst a group text that I may or may not have been a part of saying the fact that they're saying he's better than Aaron Rodgers is fucking out of control. What did you see from uh, the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson last night? And that fourth quarter drive was awesome to watch him kind of piece together. All right, so let's let's go to the first first half. First of all, they only had three drives in the first half. So, um, like, you, the, the expectation has to be off that Minnesota owned the football. Second of all, Minnesota had a very clear plan defensively. Like, they were going to try to beat Russell's offensive line more than beat Russell. You know, they played – coverage and force the ball to the middle of the field and the pass rush won a little bit so i didn't make that big a deal over the first half then all second second half comes out in that like to your point that lead goes away away real quickly in the fourth and one conversation 
I actually thought the Vikings made the mistake when they went up by five, or when that when they went up by four on the drive before of kicking the extra point. Like, what's the point of going up oh, yeah. by five in that moment? You yeah, should yeah. Kick, go for two six. to go up for six yeah. or go up by six. So then if you kick a field goal, you get up by nine. It was 100% the right call on fourth down to go for it. I agree. Like, if I'm playing Russell Wilson and I'm up by seven or up by eight, it's the same thing. I know the end result. He's going to get the ball. He's going to go score a touchdown. And then he's going to get the two-point conversion. So I, I did not mind the fourth down call. I actually just thought it was a bad run. The hole is there. It's just a bad run. The running back just closes his eyes and runs forward. So, you know, um, Russell on that. Here's the thing, dude. It was really fascinating. The fourth down throw to Metcalf, like the deep ball heave, that was the sixth deep ball that they threw at Dancer, number 27. And it was just like they were just going to continue to take shots at him. It was a great adjustment by DK. Um, I just think him and Russell have become that combo in fourth quarters that no one wants to see. So Russell's amazing. Um Really great performance. He's certainly in the conversation of the MVP with Josh Allen and Aaron. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. But. No, no, we agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh Allen for sure. Hell yeah. You know, Josh Allen has that Sue Bird type gene. Ooh. Yeah, he really Fuck does. Whenever he, yeah. needs, whenever he needs it, he'll yeah. come through just a and bury somebody. Just can go get his own bucket when he needs to. Great oh. vision as a passer. Oh, yeah. Make his own plays. Much like you said about Russell Wilson last night because he was wearing that jersey backwards while he walked into the stadium. You said that. Those jerseys are hideous. <laughs> Whoa. Well, Whoa. they're bad, Jeez. but I think you saying on Get Up this morning that since he wore the backwards Sue Bird jersey into the stadium, you knew that when he got the ball back under two minutes, he was going to go down the field because that's what Sue Bird would do. It's like I think Russell Wilson, although he's paying tribute to Sue Bird, would be like, yeah, what about just Russell Wilson doing that? <laughs> Like you know, that's where I kind of was like. You don't, you don't think, you don't think wearing one of the best point guards ever's jersey to a game has impact on a player on the field? <laughs> Come on, Dan. <laughs> this guy, Dan. I can't, Dan. Just, I don't know what car you're in, but you need to get a better headspace. What do you got going on? Hey, Danny, looking good. Uh, question about the Raiders and the Chiefs: What's the difference between Derek Carr last year and this year? Is it rugs? Is it the run game? Or is it just kind of another year being in Gruden's system? Yeah, it's probably a lot of it. First of all, Ruggs, they average, when Ruggs on the field, they average like eight yards of play. You know, he's just, he's their speed difference maker. Not only just literal aspect of throwing the ball, but how coaches plan. Like when he's on the field, you know, how are we going to put one safety to him? Or are we going to put two safeties to him? So that's a huge part of it. I think Waller has taken a huge jump in development. Like what people don't talk about with the Raiders is like their pieces are very specific to what you ask them to do. Again, Ruggs is flat out juice downfield waller is a passing night match nightmare when it comes to how you match well, up with them um aguilar's like become a pretty good possession player oh, renfro's no, really really no, good no, when it comes no. to working the slot josh jacobs has become a dual threat impactful back so like they got some really good pieces um and i think that like Derek carr finally has a little bit of like a willingness to throw the ball downfield um, but I think it's all those pieces kind of being very specific with what they're asked to do. Dan, we can't thank you enough for being hospitable with Connor there. I know you guys had Thanks, a little Dan. bit of a beef. Yeah, Great yeah, answer. Thanks, you, you only have a couple minutes left. Ty has a question for you, though. Dan, uh, considering what's going on in Atlanta with, like, the new head coach coming in or the interim coach, uh, do you think that's going to light a fire under Matt Ryan's ass, or do you think he's kind of over the hill? Is he done? He stinks, huh? I don't think he's done at all as a player. I just think he's sick and tired of playing for that team and that organization. Like, oh. I mean, how many wins do they have this year? Or how many losses do they have this year when they score like 30-plus points? True. 
he's just got to be super frustrated with stuff. So uh, that's a really good job. You know, if you think about really young offensive line and uh, Ridley and Julio and Matt Ryan and some pieces on the defense, I think Matt Ryan's just sick and tired of what's going on there. You they think, you think, hold on, you, you think Matt Ryan is survives this with new GM, new head coach? Yeah, Pat, I think it depends on where the pick is, right? Like now, right now, they look to be a top five pick. If they have a top five pick, no. Like, because that's either going to be Justin Fields or Trey Lance. But if they somehow win a couple games and they got the 12th Trey pick of the draft or something like that, I think Matt Ryan survives it, yeah. All right. Can't thank you enough, Dan. Your brain is awesome, dude. It really is. We appreciate you, man. You're the best, bud. Thanks, dude. You are too, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. Atta boy, Dano, Trey Lance. I completely forgot about him. He um he plays for North Dakota. They had that one game. He didn't yeah, play that great. Did right? not look great in his showcase. But game. it's tough to have one yeah. game. It's mm-hmm. a showcase game. He'll probably have combine meetings, workouts, everything like that. But maybe he's the next Carson Wentz. Ooh. You know what I mean? Do you want to be the next Carson Wentz, though? I don't know, <laughs> I don't know dude. He's, uh, he was, looked pretty good yesterday. He did. I was checking yeah. out his um, Steelers defense, too. Very, very good defense. They came back on him well, almost. You know what I mean? Steelers, everybody well, knew. I mean, that was an easy cover. Oh, yeah. Easy. The issue with me is I'm picking too many, you know, because I need to just stick with the ones that I know. Houston Texans, mm-hmm. I knew. Yeah. Lock. Stone Went cold. Very, very heavy on them. Didn't even watch the game really until about halftime. Let me check in and see what's going on. Appreciate you guys doing what I thought you were going to do. Mm-hmm. You cannot run a coach, general manager, lead counsel, and play caller out of the building. Okay, and everybody knows that the players did this, and then go shit to bed the next week Mm-mm. because your life is going to be very uncomfortable for a long time. So I, I figured they were going to come out and play well. And JJ Watt tweeted like "finally fun" or whatever hashtag H time. Yeah, yeah. And typo. I didn't know what that meant. H time. It's the H time baby, H-time. and you know what it is. <laughs> Joining us is a man who scored four totters just yesterday. Has one of the greatest nicknames in the history of the NFL already. Mapletron comes by way of Notre Dame. Ladies and gentlemen, wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, number 11, Chase Claypool. Yeah! boy, Chase. What's going on, bub? How we doing, guys? Not as good as you, dude. Let's talk about this real quick. Um... Number 11, awesome, awesome number. 7-Eleven, always open, you and Ben Roethlisberger. At what point did you know that you and Ben were going to be this tandem that was just a beautiful thing to watch? You got Steelers fans super excited. Juju can go back into the slot role. We got a guy that can take the top off of defense and loves making plays. At what point did you know you and Ben were going to be a good connection? Uh, I honestly thought that as soon as I got drafted. Yes. Um, but go. as a young rook, you can't really go ahead and say that <laughs> until you start producing on the field. So I had to wait uh, for my time, um, and finally it came. So I, I was thinking that the whole time. Jeez, oh, I love that. Hey, when was the first time you actually got to interact with Ben in person? That must have been in June. We had some PRPs going on, and um, that's the first time I met him, first time I got to throw with him. and. As soon as I uh, was able to catch one of his passes, I knew right away uh, it was going to be a good year. PRP, player, player, whoop, prac, whoop. ran practice? <laughs> player ran practice? Uh, PR, yeah, player ran practice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, we feel pretty good. You're much smarter than us. You went to Notre Dame, obviously. You go to Canada. I mean, that whole thing. I believe today is Canadian Thanksgiving, so happy Canadian Thanksgiving to you, sir. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How does it feel to represent Canada, though, in the NFL in a big fashion? Now, I know that Canada has always had players that have been in the NFL, but the name Mapletron, obviously Canada. For you to have four touchdowns in a game in your first season, I mean, Canada has to be on your shoulders at this moment. How big does it know? How big is it to know that an entire country is potentially on your back in this world of the football? Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. It's a it's a big part of my motivation for sure. You know, I see all the love after every game uh, that people show me. So, you know, it drives me forward and it allows me to have the success that I have. But, uh, you know, I'm happy I can represent the way uh, that I have so far, for sure. Hey, what's Mike Tomlin like? Pat and I were speaking earlier in the show. Like when they talk about the, the big-time coaches in the NFL, Tomlin for some reason doesn't get the pub he deserves. Like what's he like now that you've been in there for a little bit and you've got to be around him? Yeah, I think the best thing about Coach T is that he tries to develop us off the field. Uh, he doesn't just look at us as football players. Um, and he, he, wor- he cares about what we do off the field uh, almost as much as what we do on the field. So I appreciate him for that. Have you been treated like a rookie by anybody in there? Or is it New Year, can't really do that, it's 2020, we don't have much time to kind of mess around with maybe the rookie, uh, you got to earn your stripes type thing? No, no. I uh, as soon as I walked in the building, uh, Ebron was giving me a uh, give me a tough time. He, his nickname for me was uh, Rook Ass Rook. So <laughs> yeah. he said that to me every time he saw me uh, for the whole train camp. And then uh, obviously I had um, a rookie dinner, which hurt the bank account a little bit. How much? Uh, How much? It was um, it was north of ten ten thousand. <laughs> <laughs> Keep catching the ball, brother. <laughs> Keep catching the ball, Chase. Yeah. What do you got, AJ? Yeah, what's, so what's it like with Ben Roethlisberger? He's been doing it in the league forever. This is a comeback year on multiple fronts for Ben, coming off an injury. I'm just wondering how you, how you have such a good rapport with him so early on. Um, yeah, I think he this year especially, um, he's really uh, specific in what he wants from his receivers. And after any play that he didn't feel right about, he'll go ahead and tell you, hey, you got to um, release this way. You have to break out of your uh, route this way. This is where I'm going to put the ball. So I think that really helps um, kind of knowing what to expect on you, each play. Mid-drive, like in the middle of a drive, will he come up and tell you how he wants the route run, like in between plays? Um, right at, Either right after a play or right before a play. So if he calls a play in the huddle, He'll be like, all right, if you have this coverage, this is how I want you to run it. If it's this coverage, I might not even be going to you, so you should run it this way to free someone else up. So he's always thinking, and it's it's crazy to think um, that someone's been around for that long and they know – you know, they know what to what's going to happen before it happens. I think the interesting thing about you, the amount of success you've had, is how young you are because football IQ only grows and grows, especially at wide receiver where you have to get crafty out there against DBs that are incredible. So the thought that he's already telling you, like, hey, on this coverage you're doing this and this, means he's got a lot of trust in you. Who are some guys that you looked up to? Because you're this fast, go-and-get-it wide receiver, but you also run great routes. I mean, who are some wide receivers that you've looked up to through coming through Notre Dame and now that you're in the league, you watch film of potentially? Yeah, so obviously I watched Julio Jones. I watched Megatron for sure. Um, and then I like to watch smaller receivers who are a little shiftier because um, I figured if I was a bigger receiver who could move like those guys, uh, it would only help. So I watched like Keenan Allen, uh, Michael Thomas, 
and then like Adam Thielen and stuff like that. Don't fight your teammates. <laughs> Jace, Patch has talked about you being young, but like the whole wide receiver room is young. Like Deontay and James are only 24. Juju's been – this is his fourth season, but he's only 23. Like who's the leader in the wide receiver room, and like who do you guys go to maybe for some advice? I think Juju's definitely the uh, most vocal guy in the room. Um, he's very, very goofy, which helps light no. things up. You know, he's never too serious, uh, which I think is good for a young group like us. But the thing I kept telling the, the receivers is we're so deep. So uh, everyone has a voice and, you know, everyone trusts everyone uh, pretty closely. So I think that's a, a big part of our success. Are your gloves okay? I saw the ball was stuck there. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was a tough little moment for me. But I got the gloves back there um, getting smart. stitched up. Yeah, smart. I would hang on to those four touchdowns. Yeah. No big deal. Uh, the off week that you were forced into there because of the Tennessee Titans, how did you guys treat that in practice? Were, was it still as if you were playing the Titans all the way up until then? Or did you turn your focus to the Eagles? Or did you turn that on working on the Steelers getting better there for like the day and a half, two days that you had knowing you weren't going to play? Yeah, so until we found out uh, – if we were playing or not, we were preparing uh, to play the Titans. And then as soon as we found out, uh, we actually found out heading onto the field. Um, so our practice was technically structured uh, to play, like, the Tennessee scout defense. So we just went on with that practice, and we practiced one more time, just basic stuff. And then we waited the next week to actually prepare for Eagles. But that week was definitely big um, for us. But now we got 13 straight, so it's going to be <laughs> – yeah, it's gonna be tough for sure. Now you rook ass rook, you can't worry about that. <laughs> one, one game at a time. So I'm. What is it like after games now? Like obviously you're a rookie, so it's your first time experiencing like post game NFL. But you have plenty of post games at Notre Dame. You know you get to see your family, hang out, go out, have some fun. Now. What do you do after a game? Bro, four touchdowns, too. Can't do anything. Oh, oh man. Go home, play video games. <laughs> it, was, it was actually kind of sad because I mean, I <laughs> to the game, but, you know, I couldn't really do anything. I couldn't really show them a good time. Uh, we did go out to dinner, but, you know, that's not what you want to do when you when you just score four touchdowns. You want to you wanna black out. <laughs> <laughs> And by the way, Pittsburgh is a good city to do that in. I think you would not be alone in that case, especially if they saw you out and about at that particular time. But are there certain rules that you're allowed to do? You said you went and got dinner or whatever, but I would assume as a rookie, they're potentially talking to you more, maybe less than everybody else about how, especially with you guys seeing what happened with the Tennessee Titans, if there's any little outbreak of COVID, it's potentially detrimental to your entire season. How has that been? Like, What are the rules whenever you get out of practice, when you get out of the game, everything like that? Yeah, no doubt. Um, we have to keep our social gatherings uh, very limited, and you know, it's pretty strict on who we can and cannot see. So it is a tough adjustment because you want people to be able to come to the game, you want people to visit you, but you have to ask yourself, is it worth the risk? Um, so, you know, I haven't seen too many people this year. Uh, this past game was the first uh, friend I saw all, all year, which was it was nice to see a friendly face, but... It is also a little risky uh, bringing people in, so you just got to be careful. What's the biggest difference between college football and the NFL? I watch a lot of college football now because I, I get a chance to do college game day every weekend, and I obviously have to know what I'm talking about. But whenever you talk about college defenses, you're talking about elementary defenses, and they have to be because everybody runs so fast. But I would assume in a lot of games, I didn't watch all your games, you had to be the fastest, biggest Toughest guy on the field for everybody. Now that you're in the NFL, what is – is there been any – it doesn't seem like you've slowed down at all. What is the biggest difference in your eyes between college football and the NFL? 
Yeah, honestly, I think the biggest difference is throughout the week uh, how NFL teams prepare. I think it is a lot more um, professional in terms of making sure you're ready to play the game at 100%. Uh, I remember in college, like, I'd be killing myself in practice, um, and then come game time, you know, I'm sore, which should never happen. But um, I think that's how it is for most college programs. And then it's a a complete 180 when you get to the NFL. When when it – Come game time, you're 110% and you're feeling good. And that's just based off the week uh, preparation. What was training camp like? I know Pittsburgh, like Mike Tomlin is known to run a, a tough camp, usually a very physical camp. I don't know if COVID changed that. But, but how was I guess, compared to what you thought it would be? Uh, camp was definitely um, – it wasn't it wasn't too much of a challenge in my opinion. But I think <laughs> you, know, you, you could uh, – you could tell that people were uh, keeping a close eye on you for sure. Every rep mattered. And since it was such a short camp, everything you did translated directly into what would happen in the season. So if you played well in camp, you'd probably be playing in the season. And if you had a bad camp, uh, you're probably not playing. So it was, uh, it was a lot on the line every practice for sure. Hey, you're a physical specimen, huh? You're just a, you always have been? Just a freak? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been I've been blessed with good genetics for sure. <laughs> well, camp was nothing for me, man. I mean, maybe others might be tired or whatever, but it wasn't shit to me. What up, Nick? Chase, I know you got a basketball background, but as a Canadian, I have to ask you: Are you a hockey guy? Yeah, I actually grew up playing hockey. Um, yeah, I was a, I was a goalie until my knees started hurting at a young age. <laughs> It's not for me anymore. But uh, I grew up playing hockey. I was a big hockey fan. Uh, fan of the Canucks. And then um, I guess I got too tall, and and I just moved on to other things. But, um, yeah, I grew up playing hockey. Yeah, you went on to a relevant sport. That was a smart move. <laughs> the, uh, in, in Pittsburgh, though, <laughs> Penguins are going to treat you very nicely. That city, first-class first operation, obviously. And I'm kind of bummed you haven't got to experience Pittsburgh at all, really, right? Because you've been locked down. You haven't even got a chance to experience the city. Whenever you see that stadium and it's empty and they had, what, 7,500 people yeah. in there or whatever, you haven't even really got to experience Pittsburgh yet. And I think that is what I'm most excited for you is that place is going to go bonkers for Chase Claypool, I think. It's, it's nuts because we just had fans for the first time this season. There was only 5,000 fans, and I was – Again, uh, some insane adrenaline. So I can only imagine 65, 70,000 people uh, watching you and cheering you on. So Pittsburgh is a great city, great sports town. I'm, uh, I'm hyped to get this thing started. Hey, man, what do you got to do? Chase, have you talked to Coach Tomlin and Coach uh, Smith, who does the special teams? Like, hey, how many, how many touchdowns do I have to score to maybe stop covering kicks and punts? No, no, keep doing that. <laughs> Yeah, I was actually trying to be in the Pro Bowl for special teams. And Let's like, go. Yeah. That's, there we go. So um, I, I haven't had a conversation uh, anything like that. But in the game, if I do come off a, lot, uh, a long drive, Coach Smith will show some love and he'll uh, take me out for a play. Need you out there. You know what I mean? Like for all yeah. special teams across the NFL, we need a guy scoring four touchdowns, then playing gunner on the dud. Like that is what we need out there, Chase. I mean, granted, not smart at all. You could get hurt doing something that anybody else on the team could potentially do and all that stuff. But boy, for the special teams unit, we need you out there, Chase. Yeah, it's it's good for the brand, no doubt. Bingo! Oh, hell yeah. oh my god! Let's go. Yeah, Chase, there were a ten wide receivers taken before you. Is that something you think about and does it motivate you at all? Yeah, it was definitely a deep class this year, and it seeing those guys' names get called before you, um, me knowing what I was capable of, 
you know, it's not it's not frustrating because you know, no matter where you get picked, you're gonna make an impact and you're gonna do well. Um, so it's only a matter of time before these other teams who pass up on you start shaking their head. And uh, I'm just happy I was able to do it sooner than later. Have you Chase, all? Yeah, I'm sorry, AJ. Go ahead. No, my, I got my last thing. I just want to ask about Notre Dame quickly and Brian Kelly. A lot of people from the outside that watch Brian Kelly, we get to see him get pretty upset at the referees. His face may get a little bit red. The guy seems to be pretty fiery. I'm, I'm curious what it was like playing for him and, and how, I guess how much you pay attention to them still. You think they got a shot this year? Yeah, I think Notre Dame is a really good team uh, put together. Um, coach Kelly's a great coach. I had a great relationship with him. Uh, so I have nothing but great things to say about him. Um, you know, the things are coming together. Uh, slowly but surely, I think as soon as we hit Clemson, we're going to be ready to uh, ready for that challenge. So I'm excited for that. Well, you, you better be because that team is—they're oh, yeah. uh, like nine deep at every position right now at this <laughs> yeah. particular point. And Dabo doesn't look like he's slowing down at all. Let's talk about you off the field. What are some of your hobbies? You a gamer? You a collector? You chill? You work? What What do you do off the field? Yeah, no, I'm a gamer. Uh, so when I come back, especially in this season, when I come back from the facility. Um, probably gaming. So, um, I got to set up a Twitch. I got to follow Juju's footsteps there. But uh, I would say that's my main hobby. What do you play? What game? Call of Duty is my uh, my main game. Oh, you're yeah. a sniper, a killer, huh? <laughs> 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 uh, Chase, we can't thank you enough for joining us, man. Continued success in the rookie season. You're going to hit a rookie wall at some point. I think AJ and I can tell you that. Weeks about 9 to 14, potentially. Just know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, especially in this incredibly long season you're about to have. I'll keep that in mind. I appreciate you. Hey, you're the man. Keep on. Ladies and gentlemen, Chase Piper. Yeah! So sorry to interrupt. I just want to let you know that life is all about convenience. And right now, Cutwater Spirits help bring real alcohol drinks with you into the real world with their award-winning canned cocktails. These are not all these weird seltzers you see everywhere right now where you don't know if you're drinking rubbing alcohol or not. Oh, no, no, no. These are actual vodka sodas, actual gin and tonics, actual Long Island iced teas, actual tequila drinks, actual Bloody Marys. We're talking about actual alcohol drinks without having to go to the bar, probably because you can't, or see your favorite mixologist, probably because you can't, at your house in the convenience of a can that you can get at a store near you. Yeah, well said. I mean, they really are delicious drinks. And right now, um, if you try a Cutwater Spirit award-winning canned cocktail, we think you'll feel the same exact way the boys feel in this office as, damn, that convenience in a can is making me feel good this evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go to drizzly.com and use promo code CUTWATERCLUTCH, you'll get $5 off your first order. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com and use promo code CUTWATERCLUTCH, C-U-T-W-A-T-E-R-C-L-U-T-C-H, no space in between. You'll get $5 off your first order. That's not valid in California, Arizona, but everybody else it does. Real convenience, real alcohol. Grab some cut water today. Award-winning canned cocktails that you didn't know you needed until you tried them. Shout out to Cutwater. Shout out to you. Shout out to the show beginning again right now. Tonight, the Chargers and the Saints play the football. And tomorrow night, the Bills and Titans play the football in this COVID season of 2020. NFL joining us now is a man who hopefully knows everything about the stuff that we need to know stuff about <laughs> ladies and gentlemen a man who is properly manscaped on a regular occasion mm-hmm. from ESPN NFL insider Field Yates. Yeah! 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 
Boyfield. It's good to be back. I appreciate you guys having me on. No, it's great to have you, man. Just don't do any IG stories without ESPN knowing because we can't lose you for two weeks like we already did. The wrap-up whore. The wrap-up whore. I will stay in the clear there. Field, I have a question, and you don't have to answer, obviously, because you're at a different network. But when one NFL insider goes down, it feels like it is a great time to be an NFL insider because now the stories that are potentially going to somebody who's gone for two weeks could potentially reign over me, and I could be the one that breaks it. Is that an accurate statement in the insider world or no? Well, one thing I'll say is that when your teammates with Schefter, as you as you well know, like – Pretty much every story is going to funnel through him as it is. So I always sort of feel like I'm already, you know, he's got uh, pretty much the entire league on lockdown. So I always feel like I'm in a good position with Adam Schefter on my side. Well, great answer there. And without doing anything else, and Shefty very much is that dude in that particular profession. But losing one person in your job for two weeks obviously helps you out competitively. Happy you didn't say it. I will say it, though. Field, let's talk about the NFL right now. Last night, there was rumbles. And this morning, I believe it was made official, Dan Quinn and Dimitrov completely out in Atlanta. Now they, Raheem Morris, I believe, Mm -hmm. Raheem Morris is now interim head coach. They have a contract with Matt Ryan that owes him 40-some million dollars next year, maybe another 40 the year after that, and then 20 after that. They now enter a rebuilding phase with an older quarterback that they owe a lot of money to. What are you hearing? Is their plan down there? Are they going to hire somebody that likes Matt Ryan, or what are they going to do? Yeah, I suspect that whoever is hired as the Falcons coach will be someone that believes that Matt Ryan still has a lot of good football left in him because there are moments as recent as last season that you would have said Matt Ryan has plenty of good football left in him. Now, he is in the middle of a nasty streak right now. I believe it's 31 straight drives that the Atlanta Falcons have gone without a passing touchdown. That dates all the way back to week three. 9.43 left in the first quarter was the last time that Matt Ryan threw a touchdown pass. So they have been brutal offensively since that time, and it's not lack of talent, right? I mean, they have Calvin Ridley, a first-round pick from a couple of seasons ago. Although Julio Jones has missed the past six quarters, Julio is certainly a big part of their offense. They traded for Hayden Hurst this offseason. So my guess is that a coach that is hired by the Falcons, the preference will be to find someone that can win with Matt Ryan because – As we know, not only has Matt Ryan played well recently, the quarterbacks are aging better than I think we've ever seen them age before. Being 33 years old is not necessarily a quarterback who's on the, you know, the final year or two of his NFL career. Matt Ryan still has some football left in Who's aging well? Tom Brady? Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, well, I'd say Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson looks like he's playing Russell the prime Wilson's football of his 30 career. He's 30 years old. In his prime. He's 30 years old. You're acting like, like because I would say Phillip Rivers, but what happened yesterday and what happened opening week, it's like, oh, this guy looks dead out there. <laughs> Maybe it'll no, be a- totally fair. Totally fair. But, like, you know, you see, you are at least seeing quarterbacks make it to 35, 36, Got 37. It. it might get a little bit trickier when you get – to 40, where we are with Phillip Rivers and Drew Brees, but Big Ben Roethlisberger is playing well for the Pittsburgh Steelers, coming off of major elbow surgery. I just think the teams are uh, are sort of uh, they, they are wired to believe in the possibility of a quarterback aging well. And Matt Ryan, for whatever limitations he showed over the past few weeks, for the most part, has been a very durable quarterback in his career. And I also want to remind people that when you are going through the coach hiring process. Typically, you're going to look for a coach that not only are you selling that candidate on the job, but he's also selling you as to why he should be the selected candidate. And if you're going to go in there and tell 
Arthur Blank, the owner of this Atlanta Falcons franchise, who was just a few years ago playing in the Super Bowl, that it's time to endure a full teardown and rebuild. If he's not prepared to handle that right now, if he's not prepared mentally to go into a full rebuild, that's going to be a tough sell for a candidate. They still have Matt Ryan. Obviously, Julio Jones makes a ton of money and got an extension just a couple of off-seasons ago. They pay a guy like Dante Fowler three years and $48 million this off-season. This is a team that wanted to win as soon as this year. And if they are going to go into a full-on rebuild, rebuild, that's a huge, hard pivot from where they were just two months ago going into this season. Yeah, completely. And all you need, though, is in those interviews is you need, what, two hours of charm and you can become the face of a program. I mean, you've seen a lot of bad general managers get hired, and I think it kind of get exposed over time, but who knows who's going to take that place over. They won't be able to move on Matt Ryan strictly business-wise. Excited to see who gets there. Now, let's talk business-wise. Dak Prescott, franchise tag quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. And anytime you talk about the franchise tag, you see a lot of guaranteed money, 31.5 or whatever it was, million this year and I said listen if you haven't been able to work out a full deal instead of sitting out a season which a lot of people wanted them to do which by the way those particular people are probably taking victory laps this morning not in a positive way but saying hey we're on the right mind here the guaranteed money of one year for being a franchise con- or a franchise tag player comes with some risks and obviously if there's a career ender or a career altering injury like we could have seen yesterday now everybody's saying he's on the road to recovery he already had surgery he'll be back in six months but what if it's not the Dallas Cowboys are are you hearing they're going to invest in him after this or is he potentially going to go to the market and what team will bet what team will pay him 30 some million especially coming off for this injury I business-wise I'm not 100% sure if that happens or not I think he'll be a cowboy and I think probably the franchise tag is the first step in that journey and I know it's a second tag and that would inflate his 2021 base salary to 37 plus million dollars which obviously is a ton of money and it's a huge cap hit for a team that already has a bunch of players under contract. But the way that you heard the organization speak about him yesterday after the game suggests to me that they are planning on a reinvestment in Dak Prescott. And the Jones family, despite the fact that a deal has not gotten done up to this point, has almost always spoken of Dak Prescott as a lifelong cowboy. He feels like he's a part of their family, at least in their words. So I think the first step is getting a – an extension done, excuse me, getting a franchise tag placed on Dak Prescott, which is a placeholder until a franchise, excuse me, until an extension is done. The reason why I say that is because, yes, Dak Prescott had leverage this past year with the franchise tag, but next year he's got even more leverage that I think he's even better positioned just from a leverage standpoint, even with this major injury, that he could command a multi-year extension because the Cowboys can't afford to have a $37 million cap hit on their books in a year where, as we know, The NFL, and we'll see how things shake out for the remaining 12 weeks of the regular season, but the salary cap is going to be predicated upon how much money the NFL makes during the rest of this already unique year. And if the NFL's revenue is not robust, they're going to end up having a potentially flat cap. And the less salary cap space available for all NFL teams might actually be for the better for Dak Prescott. I know that sounds odd to say, but it limits the Cowboys' ability to keep them on a one-year $37 million cap hit that they might be more inclined and motivated to get a multi-year extension done, understanding they might be conceding something. And I know that this injury is very scary and daunting, and it's not like there are a bunch of obvious quarterbacks that have recently dealt with the situation and come out fine on the other side, but... 
the early indications that I've seen and heard have been that this is an injury that Dak Prescott can overcome and come back and be the same player he was prior to yesterday's gruesome injury. And I know this is one of those things that sounds almost anecdotal, but doesn't it feel like there are a few people you would want to bet against less than Dak Prescott? I mean, the guy has seemingly overcome a ton in his life on the field and off of it and continue to produce at a high level. I agree completely. And Connor Barwin had the same surgery, I guess. I don't know if his bones were protruding through his skin, but he came back and said, you'll be all right. The rehab is going to be terrible for Dak Prescott. Rehab is going to suck completely, but watching him come back will be amazing, much like it was for Alex Smith yesterday, watching him come back. But whenever you say, like, if you listen to what Jerry was saying afterwards and the Jones family was saying after... We, you and I both know that means jack shit. That means that means that means absolutely nothing. So maybe with the cap coming down or whatever, they'll be able to work out like a Patrick Mahomes deal where it's less money this year, this year until we know the money's back. I hope so. I just fear that the business side of the NFL is an ugly one, and hopefully in Dak's situation, it is not. Let's move on now, shall we? The big conversation this morning is Philip Rivers is dead. I'm a Colts fan. Will you tell me what the hell's going on over there? Are they thinking? about Jacoby Brissett at all, or is this Phil Rivers' time to go? Yeah, I think this remains Phil Rivers' time to come go. Come on! I know. I love him, but I mean, come on! I mean, the Ronnie Harrison pick six was just one of those plays that you saw it coming a mile away, right? I mean, <laughs> Philip Rivers just sort of like, you know, not even navigating the pocket, but just sort of like slow motioning his way through the pocket, and I could see Ronnie Harrison. I'm just watching the game on TV, and it's like Ronnie Harrison was in the huddle with the Colts prior to that play. Like, I know exactly where this ball is going to be thrown, and it's really tough for Phillip Rivers because the Colts have a formula this year that they want to win with, right? They're going to be really good on defense, and not having Darius Leonard obviously made a major mark yesterday, but they still were fine for portions of that game defensively, and they want to be able to run the football a ton. That sounds good on paper for a lot of teams, but when you play teams with an excellent offense, and I mean offense is even better than what we saw from Cleveland yesterday, you think about it, the Chiefs or maybe the Ravens or maybe the Steelers with the way that they're playing right now, that formula, you've got to be playing, you have to be basically throwing perfect games on back-to-back-to-back Sundays just to make it to the Super Bowl this year coming out of the AFC playoff picture. So Phillip Rivers will remain the guy for Indianapolis. They didn't bring him here to give him a short leash. They paid him $25 bucks, obviously, as you know, and, you know, Jacoby Brissett, part of the reason why Philip Rivers was uh, alluring to the Colts was that Jacoby Brissett last year was simply not good enough after signing that two-year extension oh, just prior to the season. Now, so Quentin Nelson step- dumped on his leg! <laughs> Jeez! Uh, all right, hey. Phil, let's move on, shall we? I, enough hearing about this. I thought you were going to give me better information there. I love Phil. I hope he figures it out. But that guy will throw an interception and not even blink and come out and do it again. Not even a thought of potentially not doing it, which I get. I love. Hey, gunslinging, let's go ahead and do it. But in this AFC, like you said, it's going to be very difficult to make to where you want to go. Hopefully he'll be able to figure it out. Can we, before the boys have some questions for you i just want to ask you one thing how long do you think the nfl feels like they can just reshuffle games and not add an extra week the amount of game changes is insane week 11 to week six week six to week seven week seven to week 12 oh we got this going on you're playing this team now boom bango your bye weeks now at this time instead of this time they're doing an incredible job of being able to juggle the ball here but at some point when you keep adding in balls to juggle the clown drops something i feel like it's the NFL is going to have to add an extra week or two at some point. Do you see that happening in the near future, in the very near future, or in the soon-to-be future? 
Yeah, it's, it's a great way of, of, of putting it, that last three, those three options there, because you're right. I mean, it feels like we're bound for at least one additional regular season week, but the answer as to how long it'll be will be until the NFL literally has zero options left. I mean, all of us were scrambling yesterday morning trying to figure out how the NFL could move things around because it's not just matching up bye weeks and rearranging uh, bye weeks for teams in the future. Uh, it's also that you have to be mindful of you don't want teams, for example, going back-to-back-to-back weeks on the road or having a team on the West Coast playing back-to-back-to-games, back-to-back-to-back games on the East Coast or vice versa. There are other considerations besides just making the bye weeks align. So uh, I think the NFL will exhaust every option to keep this a 16-game uh, and 17-week arrangement. But uh, one extra week, two extra weeks feels to me like a pretty reasonable concession to make in the grand scheme to get all 16 games played. We know the Super Bowl has sort of a sliding scale date to it. We know it's scheduled for the beginning of February, but sounds like there are options to move it back later in February. Not like Tampa's got a lot of other events on the books at Raymond James Stadium. <laughs> I believe not until May is when they have their next public event. So we're not going to linger that long. But it just makes sense, right? I mean, while the NFL will tell you that technically playoff uh, seeding can be determined by winning percentage, it just wouldn't feel right if you had a team make the playoffs going ten and four, while another team goes, uh, I don't know, I don't know, ten and six and doesn't make the playoffs. It feels odd to not have all teams play sixteen games. Field was tonight's Pats Broncos game moved strictly because of positive tests out of the Patriots, or was there truth to? Uh, some reports that the Patriots organization didn't feel comfortable playing tonight because of health reasons. Or practice well, reasons. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that those, those two things were sort of tied together, right? So I think that, uh, you know, the Patriots went through an interesting experience this past week. That trip to Kansas City, uh, getting moved back a day, and, uh, you know, during a time that was a little bit uncertain, right? I mean, it felt a little bit strange that a team could have, uh, you know, a positive test Saturday morning and then still be prepared to fly on Monday. You're flying the day of the game. You're going to Kansas City to play a game like four hours after you landed. Certainly an unconventional week for the Patriots. But from what I understand, it has been these decisions have been motivated by the positive COVID tests that have popped up. And that has been sort of the dictating force behind whether a game is moved, rescheduled, postponed by a week, delayed by a week. But certainly you can sense uh, from players around the NFL right now that although they all knew or you know, certainly felt like they knew what they were signing up for when they decided to not opt out of the season, that it takes on new life when you're actually in it. So some of the concerns that players maybe would have felt comfortable with in August or at the beginning of training camp feels like some of those bubbling up or making players uh, have to have some extra conversations with you know, not just them, they're their loved ones, but their teammates and their coaches. And this has been a unique year, that's for sure. And I think the guys and how they feel about the season, um, it's sort of an hour-by-hour hour evaluation. COVID is a dictator, by the way. Right. <laughs> COVID's yeah, dictator. It is. it is a dictator. I mean, it will go down as one of the worst dictators mm-hmm. of all time. Mm-hmm. Shut down the entire world, oh, COVID did. The interesting thing about players, which what they might have been okay with back in August, aren't okay with now. I wonder if one of those is not being
being able to practice, work out, or do anything for three days and then being asked to play in a game the next day whenever you could just get your head blown off your shoulders yeah. at any given moment. I mean, there's a lot of very yeah. interesting things like, oh, these guys aren't allowed to work out anywhere because there's COVID in their building, so you got to run stairs at your house or do a bench press. And then on Sunday, by the way, you're playing against professional athletes that have worked out all I mean, it is just a oh. – it is very interesting time to be alive. What do you got, Boston College? Uh, Vanderfield, the Browns are 4-1. and one. Uh, Is it safe to say that Baker is the guy going forward and that they'll offer him a contract extension, or are they going to go to the market as well and see what's available? Yeah, I think Baker's the guy through at least next year. And what's going to be interesting for the Browns, and this applies to all teams, is that starting after this season, players drafted in the first round, when they have that fifth-year option exercised, it's guaranteed fully. Ooh. So if the Browns exercise Baker Mayfield's, Mayfield's fifth-year option, it is fully guaranteed. In previous years, we had seen teams exercise those options, but it was only guaranteed for injuries. You think about like the RG3 year, Washington exercises fifth-year option. And then after he had gotten benched, he became the third-string quarterback and was like the practice squad safety, basically, or the scout team safety. They put him in bubble wrap for most practices because they wanted to protect themselves in the event that he got injured, and they owed him whatever it was that fifth-year option was worth. So I think Baker Mayfield has shown enough already, and I think the Browns feel good about the overall trajectory there. And, you know, guys, it's refreshing. Uh, I don't want to make the Browns uh, into something they're not yet, which I don't think that they're part of the – very top tier of the AFC. Oh, wow. But you know what? I always wonder, like, why does it have to be that the Browns are either the Browns of the past 20 years or ready to dethrone the Chiefs, right? Like, can it be somewhere in between? They couldn't, they couldn't drink beer for like 15 weeks two years ago. Remember, they had all the Bud Lightners locked up in the city. I mean, right now at 4-1, and one, if I'm a member of the Dog Pound, rightfully so, I am celebrating. We're better than... We're better than the Chiefs, though. Yep. You saw what the Raiders did to the Chiefs. Look what we just did to the Colts, number one defense. Mm-hmm. And if I'm a dog pound member, I'm very excited. But it is interesting to say that you think that they'll stick with Baker because that offense has become a very big run offense. They invest in the offensive line. They invest in the running back. They've obviously have their system. We'll have good defense. Miles Garrett will be a game disruptor. We'll run. And then we need a quarterback to spread it. I don't know if they're going to be in the business of paying Baker Mayfield instead of spending that money elsewhere. I'll be intrigued to see how that whole thing works out. Yeah, but I'll be interested to this. It's like, so if the Browns keep up with what's been a really promising start, let's say they finish somewhere 9-7 and seven to 11-5, and five, somewhere in that range, which seems like that, that would be a very successful season. Possible. It's going to be really hard to move off of Baker Mayfield if you have that kind of run of success. I just think that would be, the, it'd be a hard sell in the locker room. And what's at the opportunity cost, too? Like, who are you going to go get? Now, if the free agent class, winds up being stronger than we anticipate and guys become available. Maybe players are available via trade. That changes things. But if you finish nine and seven or better, you're probably picking what, seventeenth or later in the in the draft order. So it's not like there's gonna be a surefire option available and at some point you have to be able to show the players in the building that you're in the business of drafting, developing and rewarding players who do everything they can. And I think that if Baker Mayfield stays on the path that we've seen right now, hard for me to be hard for me to envision the Browns not sticking with him going into 2021. Field, you just mentioned a trade possibly uh, last weekend. There were some reports that Dwayne Haskins and Sam Darnold are both potentially on the trading block. Uh, do you see any situation where either one of those guys gets moved this year? I don't think either one gets moved. And here's so we can go through one, each of them individually. But with Dwayne Haskins. 
You know, Kyle Allen just got hurt this past week. Now he's going to probably play in week six, but Alex Smith is incredible as yesterday was, and yesterday was incredible. You know, still you have to be mindful of his health, and I just don't think you can possibly not have three quarterbacks on the active roster given their depth chart right now. Do I think that Dwayne Haskins is ever going to emerge as the long-term starting quarterback in Washington? I don't at this point, but I think for one, for at least this year, you have to uh, pad your depth at that position enough to keep Field. him. And- Field, before you get to Darnold, what is it about Dwayne Haskins that Ron Rivera doesn't like? He put a C on his chest, so that made me assume that everything off the field was good. Playing-wise, you got a bad, very bad team. I don't know what expectations are of it. What is it? Is it the play? Is it every, Why'd they put the C on him if it's something off the field with Dwayne Haskins? No, that's a good question because I think the, the play has not been great, obviously. He hasn't, he hasn't been lighting the world on fire, but he also hasn't been – you know, the worst starting quarterback in the NFL, statistically at least. And so I think one of the things that happens in our business is we can sort of, we can try to dot connect, right? And logically, you would think if the play has been okay, it's not like Kyle Allen was much better in the one half that he filled in. Um, It's not like they have a great group of pass catchers, that offensive line, average running game. It makes you wonder, is something happening Monday through Saturday during the preparation period that is not at the standard that Ron Rivera and his staff has in mind. I don't know that. I don't know that for a fact. It's just when a guy gets benched under those circumstances, that's one of the questions that I myself would love to ask Ron Rivera with some true serum inside of him or anybody who's part of the uh, Washington football team right now. What is it that led to Dwayne Haskins being benched? Because it was a little bit curious in the sense that he's coming off of a game, and I understand that some of these stats can be hollow, but – he threw for over 300 yards against the Baltimore Ravens. Now, they lost 31-17, but still, it's atypical for a quarterback to be benched after 300 passing yards in a game. Agreed. And now Sam Darnold is in a situation where if the Jets trade him, that means they're saying we're sticking with Gase. And if the Jets end up getting rid of Gase, the next GM or head coach is probably not going to want Sam Darnold. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe they will. But normally GMs and head coaches have a vision for a team. And if you don't fit it, you don't fit it. With Sam Darnold, it feels like this dude's been given little to no chance at success over there. Yeah, I mean, the offensive line has been dealing with injuries, and it wasn't good already. Wide receiver group has been dealing with injuries all over the yard. Jamison Crowder is really the only dependable pass catcher that he has. He's been awesome in the three games he's played, but he's also missed two more because of injury. I'd be stunned if Sam Darnold was traded during the season for this reason. Who's going to make you a compelling offer for Sam Darnold right now? He hasn't shown you a ton this season. He's now dealing with a shoulder injury, and... Well, we have the Dak Prescott injury and some other quarterbacks have dealt with medical situations, whether it's Cam Newton being on COVID-19 or other quarterbacks that have been banged up so far this year. Like, who's going to pay you a reasonable price for Sam Darnold? And ultimately, it doesn't do you much good to just give him away. And it it sounds fine if you think you're going to get Trevor Lawrence with the first overall pick next year. But what if you stumble into two or three wins this year with Joe Flacco or anybody playing quarterback? and? the Giants or the Washington football team or the Atlanta Falcons get one win. You know, like if, if the plan is to tank for Trevor and then you don't end up getting Trevor Lawrence and it costs you Sam Darnold along the way, you know, that obviously is bad business. And I think that Sam Darnold stays with the Jets this year, but it'll be a fascinating dynamic because the blueprint has been laid by the Arizona Cardinals. Whether you think it's a carbon copy situation or not, the fact that the Arizona Cardinals went back-to-back years taking a quarterback in the top ten gives the Jets a, a, a blueprint to follow. That I know it's three years between Sam Darnold and 2021's draft, and I understand that uh, there's a larger sample size on Sam Darnold than there was on Josh Rosen, but 
I think it's a logical move that the Jets could make. If they have the first pick, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, guy's ridiculous right now. I don't think he's thrown a single pick this season so far. Every time I see him throw, it feels like it's exactly where it's supposed to be. He's a highlight reel waiting to happen, and the kind of guy that strikes me as, you know, 10 to 12 years of success the moment he walks into your organization. Unless he ends up with an offensive line like Joe Burrow has. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, ESPN NFL insider and host of the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Field Yates. (laughs) Joining us now, ladies and gentlemen, national champion, Super Bowl champion, A.J. Hall. AJ, big takeaway from yesterday's NFL Sunday. What are you overreacting to? Anything that we talked about thus far? What are your questions, statements, analysis? Wow, it's a, a lot to uh, to go off of, I guess, from yesterday. Okay, are the Dolphins a real contender? That's my first question. Bingo. Absolutely. It's tough because they're in the AFC, but I'll tell you what. If Ryan Fitzmagic keeps working his magic and making Jimmy G play bad football and getting benched in lieu of C.J. Beathard, maybe Ryan Fitzmagic is prancing all over the AFC as for the next couple months. Yeah, maybe. I'm sure you've talked about Jimmy G uh, being benched. Do you think? We have not. We have not. We have Actually, not. Nick is a big hockey guy. I'm a, I'm a big hockey guy as well. How I took it, if you watch a hockey game, there could be a guy that's going to be a, a first ballot Hall of Famer, and sometimes they just pull him. Like, second period, mm-hmm. he gave up three goals. All of a sudden, like, all right, man, it's not your night. Is that what happened to Jimmy G? We know he'll be in next game. I, it's, it's a good question on whether or not he's healthy. Is he healthy 100%? Because remember, he missed last week, and it was an ankle injury, and I didn't watch the game close enough to realize if he was hobbling around or not. And maybe it was a, hey, this is going to be a bad night. You look like Swiss cheese goalie operation in the NHL. We need you to get out of here. Putting C.J. Beathard in, though, as Jimmy G is named the starter, this is quite a message to be sent – across your locker room right now everybody the question that you just asked the entire team's asking now is like was that just a hey jimmy g's having a bad day hey jimmy g's ankle isn't all the way back hey jimmy g is this or is it like a wait do we know if jimmy g is our guy or not i think kyle shanahan's a great head coach i think lynch is a great general manager but i think they have a lot of questions and they still have a lot of injuries over there so maybe they're saving jimmy g like hey you don't deserve to be with this team right now like let's save you for whenever we're maybe putting our best foot forward whatever the case it's gonna have to be explained to the locker room this morning for sure why you guys did what you did and how you let ryan fitzmagic run all over your face in your house which is what happened exactly yesterday i mean the way fitzpatrick can stand in the pocket and deliver a cut like he's done it his whole career obviously but that dude will stand with two d linemen bearing down on him unblocked and the dude can still deliver and take a shot and gets you know just like his whole his his patented gets up so juiced and you know the gun six shooter he does every different celebration possible and you can just feel how excited the rest of the team is when old man Fitzpatrick gets going like that. And you heard a lot of people potentially asking for Tua to come in in trash time to maybe get a couple snaps, but it was very obvious that B-Flow and Ryan Fitzmagic were like, no, no, bud, this is you from beginning to end. And if you do recall, after their first big dub over the Jacksonville Jaguars on Thursday Night Football, we talked to Kyle Van Noy on Friday, and I asked him about Tua, and he said, hey, listen, oh, oh, Fitzmagic, you know... You never believe it's not so. 
Fitz Magic. He didn't even want to talk about it. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Fitz Magic time, though. I think they have a real belief in Fitz Magic. I think they love where Tua is, being able to watch Fitz Magic. And when you get Fitz Swish Magic, <laughs> and whenever you get a win like that in San Fran, I mean, it only builds to the case even more. Right now, I mean, they're going to have to do some work. But if this guy gets hot. I mean, tight end Mike Gesicki says that Ryan Fitzpatrick is his greatest teammate he's ever played with. The thing that makes him special is he makes the guys around him better. If I could play with him for the next 15 years, I would. The amount of respect that players, teams, coaches, the NFL has for Ryan Fitzmagic is obviously very, very high. But boy, if they fuck around and win some games like they did last year, who knows what happens in this AFC, especially now that the Chiefs are dead. Yeah. The Chiefs are yeah. dead now at this point. You know what I mean? Have you written the Chiefs off like some people have? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's overreaction Monday, so I had to come in swinging that they were dead completely. <laughs> but, I mean, that was a tough one yesterday. And Dan Orlovsky says that the Chiefs have gotten drunk over watching Patrick Mahomes just make ridiculous plays and pull them out of bad situations, which is why they paid him a half a billion dollars. And I think he just started a fire, by the way. The, I just saw the red bud there yeah. kind of drop oh, down geez. into your lap off your cigar. <laughs> Hope you're okay. But it does feel like much like your lap right now, the Chiefs are potentially starting to sizzle just a little bit on what the hell the future is. I don't think so. I, I think they're going to be fine. The Chiefs, it happens. Like, the, Hey, every once in a while you run into a buzzsaw, and they did yesterday. So, hey, chalk it up. Keep it moving, I think, if you're the Chiefs. Well, the Chargers also are a very different team whenever they got that Henry Ruggs cat going deep. I mean, Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs, Derek Carr, Henry Ruggs. And I guess that deep ball was on a cover zero, by the way. So good read by Derek Carr. I I think that is obviously a massive uh, credit to Derek Carr's brain. But if you look at the Chargers, they battled the Chiefs close. Raiders battle the Chiefs close. That's a lot of games in their division that they're going to have to battle here for the next couple of years. Are we potentially seeing a little bit of a flaw in the Chiefs dynasty being Ooh. that the division plays them very, very difficult every single time? Yeah, I don't know if we're seeing a flaw. I, I feel like the Chiefs are – they've almost reached that point to where they're so good that they know when they need to turn it on. They oh, yeah. know when they truly need to play their best. Did they want to win yesterday? 100%. And they were trying to win, but there's something about it when it really matters – I think that the Chiefs can get it done. You don't get it, AJ, okay? Them knowing when to turn it on and turn it off is their problem. You have to play <laughs> all four quarters all the time, AJ. Mm-hmm. You? What about the Seahawks? Like, I mean, the Seahawks came back and won that. Th- I mean, I guess it was back and forth the majority of the game. You, okay, how good do you think the Minnesota Vikings are? Or are you worried about the Seahawks that went because they just barely – found a way through Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf to get a win. Well, the Minnesota Vikings got Billy O'Brien fired, right? So let's not talk about how hot they were. They actually got a GM and a coach fired after one big win. But that that Vikings team, one and four, looks awfully different than two and three. And they should have won that game last night. I mean, if if guys zigs instead of zags, they pick up a uh, an eighth of a yard there on fourth down, which some people say should have kicked the field goal, go up eight. Well, then you're giving the ball to Russell Wilson like you said you shouldn't give the ball to Russell. It just they made the right move, I think, going forward on that fourth and an inch to win the game, seal the game. Let's take this thing over. Massive stop. Russell Wilson walks right back down the field. Now the Vikings are one and four, which I do believe stats and odds in the history of the NFL in 101 seasons say you do not have a great shot at making it at this case but i think that vikings team's a lot better than their record is but i think that seahawks team being able to win a game that they're not supposed to win yet again is a part of that seahawks team's charm i mean it feels like they win games they're not supposed to win or games they're going to be out of it in or whatever and they just continue to do it and that's because they got 
Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Russell Wilson, here we go, baby. Here we go, baby. Here we go now. DK Metcalf, great weapon. How's it going? Greg Olson, great weapon. Hey, Ty Lockett, great weapon. Here we go. And go we got Hawks. Pete Carroll on the side. Go, cool go Hawks now. That is what they are for real. And they're winning games they're not supposed to win like last night. That's just a part of the team that they are, though. Hey, did you watch that fourth on the fourth down stop that they had? Bobby Wagner comes in and gets on the tackle and, and they make an amazing stop. Who made the play? I think it was number 57. Is it Barton? Yeah. That- Owen, I believe, is his last name, Barton. Whatever his name is, that dude, he hit the fullback inside out and he squared him up. And it was a stalemate is a win if you're a linebacker meeting in the hole with a fullback like that. He hit him outside leverage to where the back couldn't get outside, forced him right back to Bobby Wagner. Huge, gigantic collision. And that won the game, I think, for him. That's team defense, right? I'll eat up this block and then you make the play. Yeah. And it's not like it's, hey, this is easy. I got to go take on this fullback and find a way to stop all of his momentum and his monster head coming at me. If you watch that guy through some great blocks throughout the whole game, to, to do it in that moment is a giant play. Is that one you dread or know it's coming? Like, did he know that it was Barton or whatever his name is? No. Did he know before that play started? Okay, this is what I'm going to have to do. If, we, if they run to their right side, I'm going to have to eat this fullback right in the mouth. But our game, the whole game depends upon it. Yeah, most likely, like, they had a safe. If he was, he's on the left side, Safety, if there's a safety down, it was probably down on the right side. So, you know, all right, inside shoulder, I got to send everything back. They call it box it. Like you'll box the fullback means you send it back. If you spill it, it means you let it bounce outside. Well, it looked so, like there was a chance for him to cut outside, though. That's all anybody's talking about this in the morning. Still picture, though. No, that, that's where you can take a picture out of context. In the, in the picture, when you freeze it, it does look like, oh, look what he missed. Alvin Cook would have got it. First off, like that was right as that gigantic collision happened between mm. the fullback and the linebacker. Ooh, I don't think there was enough. So you think that still image is completely fabricated, much like the one earlier this season that was completely fabricated as well. I didn't say it was fabricated. I say the, the, pit, the <laughs> no, still yeah. gives you an unrealistic view of what could have happened. Misleading. Very much so. Much like Zito's polls normally. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They're massive. Zito overreaction Monday poll of the day is what? It was uh, who's the best undefeated quarterback right now? Uh, Aaron Rodgers at 47.7%. Big Ben, 7.2%. Mr. Unlimited, 33.3%. And Josh Allen, 11.8%. Okay, so our guy's in the lead there, but it does feel like Seattle's waking up, especially after a massive fourth quarter comeback under two minutes. What do you need to do? Mr. Unlimited needs to do what he has to do. But Big Ben Roethlisberger, by the way, with this Chase Claypool character that we're talking to in about 12 minutes right here, that offense looks like it's awesome to watch as well. they got a couple backs that run hard, and then this guy can stretch the field while Juju's working underneath, and the Steelers' defense is great. Punter's good. Kicker's good. The Steelers are a for-real squad this year, and I think everybody knows it in the AFC. 13 of 13 on third downs. Are you kidding me? That's Ben Roethlisberger, baby, and he's not even holding the laces either. He's just tossing that pigskin mm-hmm. however he gets it. 13-13 yeah. <laughs> on third downs for 161 yards and two tugs is what we like to call a game-winning <laughs> strategy. In that Steelers team yesterday, they should have buried the Eagles. They let them back in that thing. But that team, I think, is one that nobody's really talking about. There's not a lot of conversation about the Steelers right now. That's a team that could get really hot December, January, and maybe even into February if they can figure it out. I was going to ask you that. Like, Okay, I'm not – from Pittsburgh. I don't live in Pittsburgh. You guys obviously have strong Pittsburgh roots. Is it me or are they just hugely under the radar? I feel like the Steelers are playing great football and no one's really talking about it outside of Pittsburgh. Well, that's just like Mike Tomlin too. Mike Tomlin's a guy that never gets talked about. 
never, ever gets talked about. Whenever people talk about great coaches, boom, boom, this guy, this guy, this guy. Mike Tomlin never, ever talked about. Then the Steelers very rarely talked about. And it's because the AFC North right now, Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, hot story, right? Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, very good. He's the MVP of last year for good reason. The guy's unbelievable. And it seems like they're back to being very dominant with what they did to Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals yesterday. That team is going to get Joe Burrow killed, AJ, by the way. They are going to get him absolutely killed. I looked up. Every time I looked up, Joe Burrow was potentially losing his spinal cord, getting blasted yep. by Judon and the Ravens or whatever. They're going to take care of him. But I think that's why the Steelers kind of get lost in the sauce a little bit because the Ravens are the hot topic team. But that Steelers team is going to be problematic for a lot of people. That D line is stupid. And I think Chase Claypool he scores four touchdowns yesterday. That's a massive day. But that dude takes the top off of a defense on a very regular basis. Oh, he absolutely does. And it also makes me wonder where the Minnesota Vikings offense would be if they didn't have Adam Thielen in the lineup. Like oh. This dude catches every third down conversion, it seems like. Every time they need a big catch and they need to continue a drive or continue a get, have a chance to win the game, it's like, oh, here we go. I'm just going to hang out. Kurt's going to look around. He's going to throw it to Thielen. He's going to make an amazing catch, and we're going to keep the game moving. It was on his kid's birthday. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yep. Adam Thielen loses on his kid's birthday. Adam. Ah. Adam. Yikes. Big game. A couple touchdowns, but big L for the kid. Like, sorry, I, I doubt he promised his kid he would get a win for his birthday. He did. He did, yeah, actually. He did. He did. He did. On, this show. He did. on this show, he said it. I'll score a touchdown. He did. He did. Yeah. He did. And he said, we'll get a win. And he didn't. Oh. Wow. This kid's never going to forget it. Nope. Turn five, no. I think, or four? Yeah. Yeah. Empty yep. promises. That, yeah, that's part of parenting. I never, you can't trust your dad ever again. <laughs> no. That's, that's what we've saying. been saying. Yeah. He wore that shirt. He had the shoes, the mm-hmm. whole thing. But all the kid's going to remember is, remember when... The Grinch, Russell Wilson, walked down the field and sure. stole my birthday. Mm-hmm. That's what oh, happened to that geez. kid. That's a shame, dude. Let's get to a phone call here before we get to a break, before Chase Claypool joins us. Canadian, by the way, Chase Claypool. Really? Yeah, yeah big-time Canada guy. Good Maple for Trump. Hour and 45-minute ferry ride from my hometown, pal. Oh, yeah, up there on the left side. Up of- there in Abbotsford, pal. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he knows more and cares more about Canada than you do. Probably. Mm-hmm. Definitely, for sure. Doubtful. 100%. Let's go to Spencer in Connecticut. What's going on, Spencer? What's going on, Pat? Uh, I'm a Jets fan, and unfortunately, I don't see us winning any games this season. Well, that's good news then. You get the number one overall pick. The thing that would suck is if you win a couple games, yeah. and you kind of fall into like the number three or number four pick, and it's like two clear Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, everybody's going to say, and then the next one's like, oh, there's a great defender here. There's a great this guy. That's where you don't want to be. So if you're a Jets fan, I think right now you're at the point where, hey, don't throw the ball to Le'Veon Bell no, no, like no. we have. Don't throw him the ball. No. I mean, that's what made him a weapon and made him so high prices in a hot commodity is because he's not only an elusive running back, but he's also an incredible wide receiver. Play him at slot. He's great. Adam Gase says, nah, we ain't fucking throwing the ball. Just keep doing that. Just keep doing what you're doing. Maybe get that number one overall pick because the last thing you want to do is fall into suck purgatory, which some teams do, and then you're just go. you're on the carousel, and it's just going round and round, and we suck again, we suck again. Yeah, if you're going to suck, you might as well be the worst. Especially at this point. Everybody hates a, you know. Yeah. Be the best at being the worst. If you're, if you're yeah. the Jets, it's just like, yeah, we're staring right in the face. I don't know if the Browns are. Hey, though, do you think Gase gets hired as a coordinator right away if he does get fired? Like a consultant or something like that, like an offensive consultant. Mm-hmm. Atlanta's looking for a coach. Yeah, too. so. Maybe Peyton will give a call down to Atlanta and say, bring Gase in. The guy's screwed at the Jets and Miami. And maybe De- Detroit him. potentially goes back home. Oh, oh that would be good. That'd be smart. Yeah, that makes sense. Bring him home. For the Lions. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. Let's go one more phone call here before we get to a break. Let's go to Kyle in Chicago. What's going on, Kyle? Hey, Pat, AJ, boys, how we doing? Not too shabby. How are you? 
Oh, I'm doing well. I want to talk about uh, something Greeny said a week or two ago about Trevor Lawrence staying for his senior year to avoid going to the Jets. Greeny said that. That's my guy, Greeny. Uh, if you're going to be the number one overall pick like Trevor Lawrence is going to be, you're going to go to a shitty team. Like that's that's what happens at the number one overall pick, by the way. Now, some teams notoriously more shitty than others. Mm-hmm. Let's Colts had number one overall pick there for Andrew Luck, and I don't think people would classify the Indianapolis Colts as New York Jets level of suck or other teams level yeah. of suck at this moment. But you're going to a bad team if you're the number one overall pick. Hence why you have the number one overall pick, unless you're the Miami Dolphins and you trade for the Houston Texans and get their number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. Even though it looks like that's a whole new team, that's how you fall in there. You're always going to end up at a bad squad. You're always going to – it's just the way it goes. That's why people talked about Joey Burrow potentially holding out of Cincinnati, pulling the Eli Manning, saying, nah, not doing it. Get me out of here. If Trevor Lawrence does that, I'll be incredibly impressed and love every single second if he chooses, nah, I'm not going there. Actually, don't draft me. I don't want it. That'd be awesome. I think it'd be hard for people to blame him, really. Don't you? You know, the interesting thing about – the interesting thing about that is – I mean, that's a tough precedent to set there for you. You're going to be judged forever off of that. Everything you do, if you don't want a Super Bowl with your next team, mm-hmm. you're just going to get – I mean, that is – talks about Eli doing it anymore. I know he won two rings with the Giants, but is that the only reason why? That's the only reason why. He doesn't want a Super Bowl there. That thing is still being talked about to this oh, yeah. day, I bet. And also those pre-social media age. Yep. If the team that you shunned goes on to win a Super Bowl oh, or yeah. two, oh. then it's really talked about. Oh. Oh. If Rivers won one. With the Chargers? I am so pumped that we are in this position now to talk about it. Like, for instance, when it came out that Joey Burrow, which was a lie, by the way. We've all learned that it's a lie. It was a complete lie. When it came out that he was thinking about telling the Cincinnati Bengals, nah, I want to go elsewhere, I got so excited. I was like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. This is a guy going, yeah, I've never played a single snap in the NFL, and who knows if I'll be able to do what I did in college against a bunch of grown men who are making a lot of money and feeding their family, but I've decided I don't want to suck with that team. <laughs> like, that just takes massive gut sack there. Massive. Can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to this show. I know there's a lot of other things that you could allow to penetrate your ear holes. The fact that you let us do it, I mean, we're forever thankful for. Oh, yeah, without question. Aaron Rodgers Tuesday is tomorrow, so be a friend, tell a friend, say, hey, it's only going to get better and better. We'll see you manana. More conversation, more this, more that. You get it, Ty Schmidt. Please play some independent music. 